Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our last episode was The Gentiles Received the Holy Spirit, posted on March 19th. We learned there could be an order that may not be correctly followed today. It starts with hearing and believing the Word, then receiving the Holy Spirit, and finally completed with water baptism. Today, these last two are prominently reversed, leastwise in America. In this episode, to get you thinking, I posed the notion that this may be the only way this is done correctly. However, does the order of items 2 and 3 really matter? Can items 2 and 3 be reversed? Does the order change? when we move from Old Testament times to New Testament times? If there are no answers to these questions in our Bibles, then why do so many of God's people argue this subject so intently? Why do so many of God's people argue such a point to the separation of a good church body? It should be noted, we started last week's study by noticing what Barnes' New Testament notes told us. The Holy Ghost fell, endowing them with the power of speaking with other tongues. By this, God showed that the Gentiles were to be admitted to the same privileges with the Jews and to the blessings of salvation in the same manner. What kind of tongues are we speaking in? Is it something that no one can interpret? Or is it another language that... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Gentiles Receive the Holy Spirit. This week, our study is titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 1. First, we need to see what happened just before our study passage starts. A person known as Stephen is spoken of in this scripture passage. When they heard these things, they became furious and ground their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently toward heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, shouting out with a loud voice, and rushed at him with one intent. When they had driven him out of the city, they began to stone him, and the witnesses laid there, cloaked at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued to stone Stephen while he prayed, 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died, and Saul agreed completely with killing him. From the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 54, through chapter 8, verse 1. Verse 1 continues from where we stopped. It starts a new subject, however. Now, on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were forced to scatter throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul was trying to destroy the church, entering one home after another. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. The first thing we should note and remember is that Saul, later called Paul, has not been converted to Christ by his miraculous experience, where he was converted to a believing man right in the middle of the road he was on. We should also note from these Bible passages, when Stephen was stoned, Saul already demonstrated his involvement by acting as a robe keeper. Now Luke notes that he was in hearty agreement with the stoning. Immediately after this remark of Saul's consent to Stephen's death, Luke mentions the first major persecution of the church. With Stephen's death, the floodgates are opened. The spirit of hatred that the religious leaders possess takes full possession of them and comes to full development. With Stephen's death also, the extra year of grace that Israel was given by God to bring forth fruit for him comes to an end. Now that Stephen has been rejected, and with that, the second offer of grace, the offer of salvation, goes to the nations. For this, God will use the man who is still developing into the greatest persecutor of Christians. First, the gospel will be brought to the regions of Judea and Samaria. The church is scattered to these regions. These are the regions that the Lord Jesus mentioned in his commission to the disciples to proclaim the gospel there. So far, this has not been done. The Lord uses persecution to process this. Because of this, they are, as it were, sent out into the harvest. The apostles remain in Jerusalem. Are they disobeying their commission? It may be that it is courageous to stay in Jerusalem right now, and that God wants it that way. After the council has cooled its anger in the stoning of Stephen, this first martyr for the faith is brought to the grave by devout men. The loud lamentation over him fits in with this. They are sad. 
but not in the way that unbelievers are saddened who have no hope. Luke then turns our attention to Saul again for a moment. He has seen with joy that Stephen was killed. That event has unleashed in him the cherished feelings of hatred, which he expresses by destroying the church. In doing so, he works meticulously. He enters every house where he suspects Christians live or gather. When he finds them, he arrests them and puts them in prison, where he wants to slander them under torture. In doing so, he makes no distinction between men and women. People driven by hatred have no eye for differences in bearing capacity. Especially the weak are a grateful target for them. Maybe it is precisely in a general sense the weak who have been left behind in Jerusalem because they have no possibilities to flee. All the hatred that erupts only accomplishes the will of God, because through the scattering that results from this, the gospel goes to many places. The persecution is like an unpleasant wind that carries the seed to other places with the happy consequence that it can germinate there. The hatred that drives them away does not frighten them, but on the contrary makes them courageous witnesses. From King Comment's Commentary on the Whole Bible. That gives us quite a bit of the scene prior to what we will now read and will study. We see again something extraordinary in Scripture as we read and study. Our study scripture reads, Now those who had been forced to scatter went around proclaiming the good news of the word. Philip went down to the main city of Samaria and began proclaiming the Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the miraculous signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, were coming out of many who were possessed, and many paralyzed and lame people were healed. So there was great joy in that city. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Does any of what we have read here in Scripture sound similar to what is going on in today's world? Yes, there are places where ministers, pastors, are being arrested right in the middle of a service these days. This is not a past event. It is very current because of how laws have changed in some countries. However, before I digress too far, First, notice this last comment from King Common's commentary. All the hatred that erupts only accomplishes the will of God, because through the scattering that results from this, the gospel goes to many places. 
The persecution is like an unpleasant wind that carries the seed to other places with the happy consequence that it can germinate there. The hatred that drives them away does not frighten them, but on the contrary makes them courageous witnesses. That commentary passage should explain why we still see negative things that scatter God's people in today's world. Where I live, this is more applicable than some other places in the world. Notice how this situation caused a scattering of God's people. As our commentator said, all the hatred that erupts only accomplishes the will of God. Why? Because through the scattering that results from this, the gospel goes to many places. Why did this happen? The answer to that question is, the hatred that drives them away does not frighten them, but on the contrary, makes them courageous witnesses. Have you ever seen this result today, leastwise here in America? I have not seen such a result in these modern times. Many of God's people here simply become saddened by such a thing and simply go away with an increased willingness to be silent. What if the hatred of God's people drove God's modern people to be courageous in their witness to others? Not frightened by modern issues that could be problematic for them. Notice the boldness that is exhibited by those here in Scripture. Now those who had been forced to scatter went around proclaiming the good news of the word. Philip went down to the main city of Samaria and began proclaiming the Christ to them. From the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 4 through 5. Notice verse 4. Now those who had been forced to scatter went around, what? Proclaiming the good news of the word. Even though they were forced to scatter, they went around proclaiming the good news of the word. Who does this today? Who has that kind of veracity in them today? If, for some reason, your witness was stifled in such a way, would you find another way to bring God's word to unsaved people? It is not said that they set themselves up for public teachers, or that they administered baptism, or that they founded churches, but they proclaimed everywhere the news that a Savior had come. Their hearts were full of it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and they made the truth known to all whom they met. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. 
Notice this statement found in Barnes' New Testament notes. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If this is true, what are you so excited about that you tell everyone about it? Your excitement in such a situation is what this commentator calls the abundance of the heart. Remember, this positive excitement is a happy emotion. This springs from the heart, not the mind. That is because all emotion or emotions spring from the heart. Yes, in such an incident, your mind agrees with your heart from its logical sense. So, we can learn the following four things. One, that persecution tends to promote the very thing which it intends to destroy. Two, that one of the best means to make Christians active and jealous is to persecute them. Three, that it is right for all Christians to make known the paths of the gospel. When the heart is full, the lips will speak, and there is no more impropriety in their speaking of redemption than of anything else. 4. It should be the great object of all Christians to make the Savior known everywhere, by their lives, conversation, and pious exhortations and entreaties. They should beseech dying sinners to be reconciled to God, and especially should this be done when they are traveling. Christians, when away from home, seem almost to imagine that they lay aside the obligations of religion, but the example of Christ and his early disciples has taught us that this is the very time to attempt to do good. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice the two sentences in item 4. Christians, when away from home, seem almost to imagine that they lay aside the obligations of religion. But the example of Christ and his early disciples has taught us that this is the very time to attempt to do good. To better understand, notice these three things found in these two sentences. 1. Christians, when away from home, meaning when we Christians travel for vacation or some other reason away from home. 2. Such people lay aside the obligations of religion, simply meaning we only witness when we are on safe ground at home. When we are away, we lay aside our obligations of our faith, one of which is to witness to others. A bit off subject, but when you are away from home, do you still go to church? 3. Notice the example of Christ 
and his early disciples has taught us that this is the very time to attempt to do good. Meaning, witnessing, acts of kindness, and exemplifying our faith to others in any situation we find ourselves in, and I might add, whether at home or away from home. Traveling should not be the muting of our voice because we do not know the people we come in contact with. However, we should always obey two rules. One, if people say no and push you away, you oblige them. If you do not, you only stir up anger and hatred for God's people everywhere. In many cases, you have made them unreachable by not backing off at their request. Two, acts that witness without words should always be employed by every man and woman of God. No ifs, ands, or buts. Our verbal witness, especially in today's world, is made much easier by our silent witness portrayed by our actions. Many times today, our loudest witness is our unspoken one portrayed in our actions with and toward others. This is not to ignore the fact that today there are many dangerous situations caused by people laying in wait. Helping a stranger on the side of the road with a flat tire can be dangerous these days. So, do such things at the leading of God. If you do not hear God's voice this way, then assume nothing and stay safe. First and foremost, learn to hear God's voice. Then act on only what God tells you to do. None of us likes persecution, yet it can happen. Notice what happens when a group of people are persecuted. Persecution tends to promote the very thing it would destroy. That should help us better understand why persecution, even today, can have good results. However, our mood and thinking in that persecution is where we fail or succeed. Remember how the people responded to Stephen's death? If not, go back to the start of this study and listen again. Moving on. Notice what one of the best means is to motivate God's people. One of the best means to make Christians active and zealous is to persecute them. Really? Here in America, Many Christians just want a simple and peaceful life. Have we found a simple and peaceful life here in Scripture? Not even close, and we will not. This does not mean we are not without God's blessings and favor. Nonetheless, our thinking and attitudes are what need to change so we are more like those people in this passage that used persecution as a driving force to spread God's word of salvation. 
to further the gospel. Notice what Barnes tells us. It is right for all Christians. Again, it is right for all Christians to make known the paths of the gospel. In other words, it is right for all Christians to witness. In closing, we need to note the crowds were paying attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the miraculous signs he was performing. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, were coming out of many who were possessed, and many paralyzed and lame people were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Notice verse 6. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what Peter said as they what? As they heard and saw the miraculous signs he was performing. Philip wasn't just preaching, he was also proving what he said through his gifting of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 tells us what was happening. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, were coming out of many who were possessed, and many paralyzed and lame people were healed. We need to notice that what we today call demonized people were giving up their unclean spirit and spirits. It happened with loud shrieks, something today's American churches, not all, but many, do not want people doing, meaning the loud shrieking. Yet, here it is in our Bibles as a very real thing that happens when unclean spirits are cast out of a person. Again, today, many call such people demonized. We should note, also, that lame people and paralyzed people are being 100% healed. I have to believe that even if these three miraculous things happened today, God's church would be more socially prominent, meaning more well-known, more well-visited, and more well-attended. The question is, why have American churches gone so inactively numb? Next week, we will continue to look at the Sumerians as we examine our study titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 2. This is an interesting passage. We learn of a man called Simon. He practiced magic, Scripture tells us. All the people from the least to the greatest paid close attention to him, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. Why did they believe so in this magic? Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts. or. Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow.
All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to Him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.